Okay, you ready? I'm ready. All righty. So welcome to my podcast. This is entitled Around the Table with Diva RDN, A Perfect Voice with Timely Topics. This is my personal podcast, Zach, and I'm interviewing you for National Fresh Food and Vegetable Month. So how are you today? I'm doing good. Doing good for, for a Monday. Pretty good. Good. How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. We got a little beach time in with the family and um, yeah, things are good. Things okay. are heating up down here on the coast. Oh, wonderful. How's the weather in that, that part of the um, south, if you will? <laughs> it is hot. Uh, we, it seems like it was everything was nice and then we jumped right into uh, summertime. <laughs> And it's nice so, here. We have some very cool we- uh, weather. It's probably um, in the 80s, if that, but you get a breeze and it's not that sticky hot where it's hot. Now, the mosquitoes are out and they're biting as if they've never eaten anything before, but the weather so far is pretty breezy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, again, it's National Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Month. And um, as the rural health and nutrition agent, I wanted to kind of highlight this. I'll tell you about an experience I had last week. Um, on June the 2nd, which was last Thursday, one of the uh, master gardener um, persons here in the Florence area, um, I hadn't spoken with her in a while, but she gave me some plants to put in my garden. And so I was calling her to thank her and let her know that I had my first two or three um, Roma tomatoes appearing. And Mm -hmm. so she says, oh, my gosh, she says, I have so much um, herbs and things growing and I just don't know what I'm going to do with it. And so she said, would you like some? And I said, by by all means. So I dropped by her house on Thursday evening. And when I walked in, she said, "Um, I don't know if you like this, but she had a Ziploc bag of Swiss chard. Never eaten Swiss chard. I don't think per se um, of my own doing per se. I may have had it mixed in a salad, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yep, I've never yep. prepared it myself. So she gave me that and I got so excited. So we went out into her garden. She has, oh my God, she has so much stuff. She gave me fresh celery. I got a different kind of parsley that has a kind of a large leaf that's really dark green. Yep. I got um, some, she gave me an artichoke plant. She gave me a jalapeno pepper plant. I got um, the, the Swiss chard. I got a fresh bell pepper. I got about three or four banana peppers. I got some oregano and I got some basil. So I was happy as a lark. I could hardly wait to get home. And when I got home, I uh, wasn't sure how to cook the Swiss chard. And I, I started out, I was going to make a um, egg muffin. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a quiche, if you will, without yeah. the crust. And so um, I started to uh, wash my Swiss chard and and I said, well, let me get online and see exactly because I didn't want to mess it up. So I got online and they said that you should take the stems, cut them up finely, and saute it with a little bit of oil and some, um, I did fresh garlic. So I did that and then I cut up my Swiss chard and dropped it in there. And I tell you, Zach, that was so pretty and green. I could hardly wait to taste it. So oh, I yeah. started kind of, you know, tasting in between. And by the time it was finished, um, I was so excited. So needless to say, I never did get to the egg muffin part of it. So I served <laughs> it with um, some, I'd made some savory sweet potatoes where I had some cayenne pepper and some nutmeg and some rosemary swigs, sprigs, and I put them in the oven and let it roast. And then I made like a water and butter and vanilla and I roasted those and boy, that, that was all I had. No meat, no nothing. And it was so hearty and tasty. 
So you can imagine why I'm excited about um, national. Sounds like I need to come to your house. I'll bring the vegetables if you cook. <laughs> it was so well, much you, fun. Well, you know, um, we grow in our school gardens. Um, we grow some Swiss chard, and, and like you said, it's not. I think it's an underrated vegetable for sure. Um, but some of our teachers got really creative, and they actually took the stems um, and pickled them. And yeah, you can like do that. They, I read that too. And they had pickled Swiss chard stems. And like you said, they're, they're different colors. And when the kids would answer a math question or a science question or whatever, right, you know, they got to come up and get them a, a spear of Swiss chard stem, which is crazy to think, you know, that kids are, you know, into that sort of thing. But um, they can be. I think that's a good idea. And I did read that you could pickle them. So I'm hoping that um, she will give me some more. I'm kind of picky and finicky about stuff like that when you buy it in the grocery store because it's been to a certain extent, and I'm, I'm careful about my words, but it's it's come from here, there, and everywhere. And by the time you get it, it right. can sometimes lose its ability to be fresh, if you will. So I really have right. to get something like that out of the garden because... You, you, you know where it came from. There wasn't a whole lot of temperature abuse or anything to it, and you can just do what you need to do. Um, it's very pretty. It almost looks like a beet leaf, a beet leaf, and mm -hmm. um, it's very productive. They're in the same family, so that makes they sense. Are. They are. Yep. They are. So what do you have in your garden that you want to share with us today on the podcast? Anything exciting? Uh, do you have any Swiss chard? Um, not this time of year. Usually um, I pull the chard out this time of year um, and just, just because I'm tired of eating leafy greens. I, okay. I try to eat, personally, I try to eat seasonally. Um, right. And so, you know, starting about October, I'll see, start eating collards and kale and okay. mustard and chard. And, and by the time, you know, uh, May starts, I, I don't want to eat another brassica or a Swiss chard or anything like that for right. a couple months. Um okay. But, um, but yeah, th this is my favorite time of the year in the garden and, and also working with the farmers that I do because it seems like just everything is coming in right now. You know, we have uh, cucumbers and squash and zucchini and cantaloupe and watermelon are starting to come in. And we started harvesting tomatoes last week and we're finishing the, um, the collard and, and bee and um, carrot harvest. So right now is a really good time to be an extension agent um especially a field agent because i get to go to these farms and um as a way to, to thank me a lot of times these farmers you know they'll they'll give me a truckload of uh, produce to take home and try so oh, wow. this is a fun time of year for me because I, I get to go home and, and cook it and try different things and uh, rarely do i throw anything away but you know when you have so much stuff you know, you can experiment and maybe make something that, you know, you, you wouldn't normally make if you didn't have an abundance of it, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. So how do you cook your beets? Is it still beet season? Yeah, the, we're finishing up with beet season. They won't be around too much longer, but um, yeah, I, I just like to roast my beets. I'll, um, I like the little ones. I don't, I mean, I like the big ones, but what I do is get the little ones and I'll wrap them in tinfoil and I'll bake them for a little while. And then after, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes, the skin comes off really easy. Okay. And so you just kind of slide the skin off of them. And then I'll um, put balsamic vinegar on them and then wrap them back up in the tinfoil and kind of let them boil in balsamic vinegar, if you will. Um, okay. That's that's my favorite way to eat a beet. Well, I pickle mine. So I take the, um, the beets and I peel them and then I slice them. 
and I make a, a pickle and brine, I guess you would call it. I like to use mm-hmm. um, apple cider vinegar, a little bit of the pickling spices um, that yep. has the peppers and the little pods. I put that in. I like nutmeg. I don't know where I got that from, but I love nutmeg. It's probably my favorite um, spice, I guess because it's so expensive, but when I get a hold to it, I, I just really like it. And I've actually had the actual nutmeg where you can grate it yourself, but I put a little bit of that in it and um, I add a little bit of brown sugar to kind of cut the the vinegary taste. And then mm-hmm. I, um, after I boil it, I, I pour, I put the, the beets in the jar and then pour that, um, that vinegar or the cider or the brine on top of it and then seal them and let them go. I like pearl onions in it as well, but you can't really find the pearl onions. So I usually don't do the onions per se, but I thought about this year, maybe doing the red onions in it for color. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love beets. We grew up with beets and um, I'm known to buy canned beets that have no salt and then uh, pickle them myself, but I prefer the fresh beets because I mean, again, you know what you're getting. And I like right. them roasted, but I, I like them on a salad. I can just eat them by themselves. And I love, a lot of people don't like beets. They, one is they've never eaten it, but number two, they just, they just say they don't like it. But they're so pretty, you can get them in all different colors. So Yeah, I was about to say, we, we did a beet trial. Well, we've been doing the beet trial for the last few years. Um, but a lot of the growers I work with, you know, they're growing for specialty markets. So, uh-huh. Any type of beet that's a different color or something like that is really nice. And so I get to grow some of those and taste some of those. And the red beets are really pretty and whatnot, but there's some golden beets that are mm-hmm. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite is probably the Chioga beets. Have you heard of those? I haven't. I haven't. Chioga. Yeah. Yeah. Chioga. It's just a variety. Um, but it it uh, it looks like the Target symbol from, from the store Target. Uh, but it has a... Um, a red circle, a, a, a white circle, a red circle, a white circle. It's like, it looks like a bullseye. Mm-hmm. Um, so it tastes the same pretty much, but it's, it's interesting. You know, it's a, definitely a conversation starter at a dinner party. Well, where can I get those? Uh, do you know anybody in Florence that grows those? Or is it just strictly a um, low country? That I don't. I, I think probably if you, I don't know how, how often you frequent the farmer's market, but a lot of the small scale growers grow them. Um, and so I would try maybe some local farmers markets, uh, because anybody, just about anybody that does a, uh, you know, small scale farmers market or restaurant, that's definitely in their, in their arsenal if they're growing beets. Okay. 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 And what else you got in your garden? Um, this year, um, I have some peppers, um, in my garden. Um, I like to, uh, I like to grow cayenne peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take the cayenne peppers and I dry them on a dehydrator mm-hmm. once they're ready. And then I grind them up in a food processor. And that's what I have kind of gotten famous for around my family for Christmas presents every year. Um, is I make the, the red pepper flakes. And, um, oh, really? Wow. They say they're better than the ones in the store, but I, I mean, it's the same thing. I don't think they are. I think they're just, you know, impressed that. You know, I grew it and dried it and ground them up. But um, yeah, I'll put them in little jars and my wife would decorate them real cute. And that's our Christmas present to everyone. That is so cool. Well, I uh, I also like in the summer too, past um, June and July, I guess you could say, I like to pickle um, figs. 
Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And I, I, I just think, you know, a lot of the, um, I call them high end restaurants when they're having these receptions, they'll have, um, the, what is it, the tattoo, the, the tray with the salamis and the cheese. Oh, the chartreuserie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have salamis and the cheeses, and then they have a lot of times dried fruit, but I like to put um, the pickled figs up there, and they make conversation, and people try it. Or, you know, you're either a fig eater or you're not. But um, it's always a good conversation. I'll put beets up there as well, and it really makes for a very nice, colorful um, tray. And I, I call it my tapas tray when I'm uh-huh. entertained. So yep. I like to do that. And I, I pickle peaches. I like to pickle pears. And I'm waiting for um, the the peach drop because they say I was always told you you don't want to go with the first set of peaches that come out that first week of June. You want to wait until about week two or three because by then the sweetness has settled in and you got you yep. yourself a good juicy peach. And and um, the first peaches that always come off, at least for the first month or so, um, are what we call clingstone peaches. Okay. And so the, the flesh still hangs on to the pit. Uh-huh. And so you lose a lot of the peach itself because you have to kind of cut around that. Okay. But in mid to late season, you get what we call the freestone peaches. And I always ask when I go to buy peaches, but the freestone you know the none of the uh, meat or tissue sticks to that pit and so those are going to be a lot easier to pickle and and for me personally i think they're a lot easier to eat and cut up and that sort of thing oh that's interesting to know too so are peaches very popular in um the low country as far as people eating them yes but we we can't grow them down here our so they um, come from someplace else yeah, they come from the Ridge area, so the Aiken, Saluda, Edgefield area, and then um, Spartanburg area has a lot of peach farms. Um, and then in the Florence kind of area, the MacBee area, you have a couple farms. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, believe it or not, along the lakes, uh, Lake Marion, Santee, there's a little microclimate there, and some peaches can be grown there. But Are they good? Yeah, they're very good, but anything from Orangeburg down, it's we don't really have many peach farms just because it's the management on them is, is very, very difficult. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, I heard, I don't know how true it is, but um, someone mentioned to me that, um, I won't call any names, but there's a peach farm that they do some type of um, treatment, and I'll try to describe it as best as I can, where they pull, they the peaches look ripe, but they're not really ripe, and they haven't had enough chance to stay on there and do whatever they need to do to mature. So they pull them and then they do something to them to make them do whatever they need to do to get them ready for the stores. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of times that's why they're pretty, they're firm, but they're not necessarily sweet. Right. Hydrophoning or something like that. I don't remember what they said. Yeah. With, with peaches, I'm not as familiar because I don't work with them enough as much, but in tomatoes, we definitely do that. Um, we call it gassing the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So what happens is when you pick a tomato, they pick it uh, at what they call the breaker stage. Right. And that's when it's green, uh, but it has a, a tiny bit of pink on the bottom. And they have to pick it at this stage because the, the tomato itself is still firm. Mm-hmm. And it's the only way that they can pick the tomato, pack it, ship it, and get it to the grocery store or wherever they need to. Um, and it'd be right when it gets there. If they pick red tomatoes, then they would get busted during transport and that sort of thing. So Uh they pick these tomatoes um, at that breaker stage 
and then they put them in these big uh, warehouses. Um, and the tomato naturally gives off uh, ethylene gas. Uh-huh. Um, and it, ethylene gas is a ripening agent and it, and it ripens um, tomatoes. And so as they're sitting in these warehouses, they can adjust the temperature um, in these warehouses to basically make that ethylene gas um, ripen the tomatoes. Uh-huh. And, and so they all ripen together. And so what happens in South Carolina is um, for the local markets, you might have a tomato that's picked maybe at a pink stage uh-huh. and it goes to food line and hair teeter and local markets and stuff. But if we're sending them to Chicago or New York, we would load a whole truck full of tomato boxes that are in that breaker stage and wow. in transport, they're going to produce that ethylene gas. And then by the time they get to Chicago or New York or Philadelphia or wherever, you know, on a two or three day haul, because of that ethylene gas has been trapped in that truck, then all the tomatoes are going to start to ripen um, and turn red um, by the time that they get them out. Um, and you're right, it's it's they it is a what we call a shipping tomato. They're you know they're pit green. They're not going to be beat up as much, but they will be pretty and red. And that's why a lot of times you know tomatoes at you know at, at restaurants and fast food chains and you know even in the grocery store they're pretty, but they don't have as good a taste. So if they were left on the vine for, you know, four or five more days, they would have an incredible taste. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that maybe they do something similar in peaches, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that, um, that explains why, um, why, why those peaches don't always, and I, I usually go to the, um, Paris Tita because that's probably, well, yeah, Harris Teeter is probably the one of the better stores for some something like peaches, and then um, maybe Kro- uh, not Kroger. We don't have a Kroger. Maybe Food Lion for, uh, but it's a hit or miss in terms of peaches because you you know you either find them and they're really good, and if you don't mm-hmm. buy all of them at one time, when you go back, it's going to be another batch and they're just not good at all. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so you got tomatoes. What else you have in your garden? Tomatoes and peppers and... Tomatoes, peppers. Um, I just finished. I had a really good um, lettuce and spinach season this year. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a very cool spring. Mm-hmm. Um, we had pretty consistent temperature. We didn't have too many days where it you know, spiked to 85 or 90. And so um, it kept the plants from bolting. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times when uh, lettuce and spinach and your broccoli and collards and stuff, um, especially in the spring... Uh, when you have those warm, you know, two or three warm days in a row, uh-huh. uh, they, all these plants, they tend to bolt. And so that means they're, you know, the plant wants to throw up flowers and make seeds, but we don't want them to do that because we want to eat them. Um, and the, the cool, consistent temperatures this spring, you know, kind of prevented those plants from doing that. And so we had a very long harvest window for, for lettuce and stuff. And, um, you know, I think for anybody getting in, in into gardening, lettuce in the fall and the spring is one of the easiest things to grow. Um, I really like it because it's kind of cut and come again, lettuce uh-huh. and, and spinach and stuff. And so you get a lot of bang for your buck. I see a lot of people when they do a raised bed garden or they have like limited spacing and they're trying to garden, you know, they might grow a watermelon or something. Well, you know, watermelon takes up a lot of room and you're only going to get, if you're lucky, a watermelon or two. You know, right. But, but something like lettuce in a little pot, 
you know, you could eat two or three salads a week off of that. So I try to, you know, and, and it's mainly because I, I live in a place where I don't have a ton of room um, to garden. And so when I do garden, I like to kind of get my money to work. So I feel like I get it out of uh, lettuce and spinach and, and even broccoli and collards because you can harvest multiple times. And then during the summer, I'll go with peppers because they're heat tolerant and, you know, you can pick them from, you know, this time of year until, you know, really August or even later into the year. Have you, have you seen the purple um, bell pepper? I have. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and, and what's interesting to me, I get all the seed catalogs from the seed companies. And I really like looking through the pepper section because there are just so many different types of peppers and shapes and colors and sweetness levels and, and heat, you know, uh, Scoville units, you know, to describe heat and that sort of thing. But I've re- I, we trialed some peppers a few years ago um, and I was really impressed with uh, a couple varieties of peppers um, cornito peppers um, and it's a it's got a shape of a banana pepper um, but it's it's super sweet like the lunchbox type peppers that you see in stores like snacking peppers uh-huh. um, and man those are some of the the most prolific uh, plant pepper plants that I've ever grown I mean they just kept coming and coming and coming and they were red and yellow and orange they were beautiful and they're real sweet very sweet yep Yep. Kids like them. Hmm. And they come in different colors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, and it's called what now? What's the name of it? Uh, Cornito, C-O-R-N-I-T-O, or, or something similar to that, but Cornito peppers, okay. yep. Okay, okay. All righty. Well, tomorrow I'm going to be doing um, a scavenger hunt with um, PD Mental Health as part of our National, national Fresh Fruit and Vegetable um month and what we what we're doing is i have a few um sayings and it, i'm just gonna plant or you know put different um fruits and vegetables around and they'll have to go and find them these are adults of course but i think it'll be fun to do and then we're going to talk about um how they can be used you know um in a variety of ways and i'm hoping um, this afternoon that i'll get a few bell peppers and i don't know if you've seen this but you can take a bell pepper and cut it and make um a um a little uh vegetable tray out of it have you seen that where they use Mm -hmm. cucumbers and oh yeah carrots and things like that so i think i'm going to do that tomorrow i think that would be nice to do as a group uh but it really depends on what i find um and i also have to check and see if we will be able to have um you know the proper utensils that would allow them to to do the the thing or i just may do it myself and bring it in and have it as a tasting that might be easier and safer and uh, and then we're doing a grocery store tour next week with that same group at a local new grocery store and so just going in and 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 highlighting some of the seasonal foods and Mm -hmm. um how to work the grocery store and you know uh purchasing from the peripheral as opposed to going in the the aisles and making um sometimes not so good choices but I'm um, trying to promote that. And this year, um, the theme for National um, Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Month is to, um, this is a very uh, harsh term, but to avoid canned and frozen foods just for this month. And if you can for the following months, and then concentrate on going to your local food markets and purchasing everything that's seasonal, that's fresh, 
yep. and try to increase your intake of fresh fruits and vegetables. And so um, that's uh, something that I'm going to share with the um, the group I'm doing tomorrow to see if that's something that they would be able to um, consider doing. And, and, and just anybody, really, because I think it would be a good idea because then you can kind of get a feel for what you're missing with your um, savory flavors, your freshness, your crunchiness, your sweetness, the nutrients, and all of the good stuff that come from those that are freshly harvested um, from the garden. And as opposed to those who travel a couple of miles before they get in our hands. Right. And I think that's important too, you know, not only the freshness aspect of it, but, you know, from the from the business side of it, you know, I work with all these small farms and even big farms and you know, they're really contributing to our economy. And, you know, when you buy, you know, I don't know what the statistic is, but when you spend, I'm going to butcher this, but when you spend like a dollar in the local economy, it gets circulated like five times or something. Uh uh And so, you know, when you're supporting these small farms, you're also supporting the farmers, you're supporting the people who work for the farmers, you're supporting the irrigation people, the fertilizer people, the, Uh uh, you know, all the vendors that are involved in that process. And so, um, you know, I think it's just so important to, to support those folks. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, when you go to a farmer's market, it might not be as cheap as what you could get in the grocery store. And, you know, I've heard people complain about that, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you're, you are supporting when you go to a, a farmer's market, a small farm, you know, they can't do it on the scale that a big farm can. And so right. if you want that, you know, the, the, you know, and I understand that, you know, accessibility to, to things is, is an issue, but um, it is fresher. It is, you know, a lot of times it does taste better if someone grew it and you know that person. Um, one of my farms, farmers did something really cool the other day. They, they have a program where um, they suggest a price for an item at the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And if you can afford that price, then you pay that price. If you have um, enough money to where you can pay more for it. They ask that you pay more for it. And if you don't have enough money, they say, pay what you can. Uh-huh. And um, it was, it's, I think it's a really cool concept that allows accessibility um, for everyone to have access to these fruits and vegetables that come from a local farm. Well, that's a good idea. I, uh, I had a thought. Um, I uh, tend to have most of my thoughts at 5.15 or so in the morning. So mm-hmm. um, I uh, contacted Harvest Food and told them that, um, you know, it's National uh, Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Month and why don't we get together and kind of spearhead just a quick, fun summer activity. I would hope to do it this month because it's National Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Month, but just something, uh, because I can imagine um, with these uh, food banks and uh, places like that, those donations they get, they don't always get a lot of um, fruits. I told, yep. but yep. I would love to be on site to see exactly what they get so that we could actually have a conversation. I think at food banks, they should have a dietitian on site to say, listen, this is why you should buy this food because it's good for your lower your blood pressures or your blood sugars or whatever. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, um, yeah we, we work closely with a food bank, a lot of food banks here, our research station, we, you know, can't legally sell the 
produce we grow because it would be in direct competition with the farmers. Right. And so a lot of what we grow experimentally is given to the food banks. Uh -huh. um, and they, they do exactly, well, not exactly, but kind of what you're saying is, you know, the, the folks can come into the food bank and, and shop, if you will. Um, but they, you know, really encourage them to get the fresh fruits and vegetables. And um, they say that the, the folks going to those places really enjoy getting the fruits and vegetables as opposed to, you know, um, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, little Debbie's and, you know, things like that. You know, the, the fresh fruits and vegetables, especially when you have watermelons and tomatoes and squash uh -huh. and stuff. The folks uh -huh. get really excited about that uh -huh. sort of stuff. Well, yeah, I can't wait for watermelons to come Excuse me, of all places, I want to cough today. Okay, well, we've been talking about 29 minutes, and um, I think we've kind of covered, we just had a, a conversation just about uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, any additional comments you'd like to add? Um, and it was designed just to have just what we did, a comment, uh, a conversation about fresh fruits and vegetables, the benefits, and, and maybe throw out a few um resources that are available and, and just extend the knowledge in terms of what we know about the benefits of fresh fruits and vegetables and everybody can benefit from it if we would only just take the time to explore and i have heard that um your farmers markets are a little more expensive but you know the whole idea is to explain it's just like buying um whatever it is that you buy you know when you run around town trying to save a penny or a dollar you might as well go to the in this case the farmer's market because you're going to get bang for your buck and all of that stuff is going to be homegrown versus as i said not really knowing where and how some of the food came and of course it's it's coming from a good location but the travels that it has to make the stops and the pit stops along the way and yep the, the different types of exposures and temperatures and things of that sort that it's been exposed to as opposed to farmer A bringing it directly from the field to the farmer's market and it's sold there and you're getting it without it running through multiple hands, if you will. Yeah, and I, I would encourage folks just on the taste side of things to, mm -hmm. you know, get a strawberry, you know, that's shipped in from California, um, you know, let's say in April. Uh -huh. and then get one from a local farm and do uh -huh. a taste test and uh -huh. you'll you know it, it light years difference and the same thing with the tomato uh -huh. you, know, you get a nice ripe tomato that's just picked you know um right when it's ripe versus you know being picked when it's green and then letting it ripe. Uh -huh. now again there's nothing wrong with that but just the taste difference on that is just incredible it is i only eat tomatoes um this time of year i've, I've been doing that for for years my dad had a um we grew up with a garden and so and my mom had a garden and all kinds of things but i just never liked tomatoes that were not um within season and, and that were fresh because they have a very mealy taste and yep. i can kind of yep. get away with aroma because that one has almost it's closest to the freshness if you will of what i would associate with one that's homegrown but for the most part i don't i don't i don't deal in tomatoes um doing anytime other than the summer and I like to get fresh ones where I know they came right out of the garden and they just taste better they're sweeter they um yep. they have that nice um I can't describe it I just know they're not mealy and you can tell that it's freshly grown it, and it, it's just wonderful um yep. so I just like tomatoes from that source so and I usually try to if I have too many I try to can them or freeze them so that I can have the um 
the pleasure of my palate being satisfied with the fresh homegrown tomato when I make soup or or um, spaghetti later on. That's right. Yeah. Okay, well, I thank you for your time and for the opportunity for us to um, converse um, on natural fresh fruits and vegetables. And I will um, take a look at this uh, podcast and see what if I can cut out my coughs and everything out of there. And- <laughs> And then go from there. Well, good deal. This was this time. was fun. I liked it. Okay. Well, I may invite you again when another um, opportunity comes that would be, um, you know, something within your your area because they they encourage that among um, other agents. But uh, I think it's also good information because the conversation we had, I'm telling you, um, <clears throat> when they hear and and and, and get the the um, understanding of what you said about the. Um, especially the concept of the benefits of buying from the farmer's market and, and what the economy and, you know, mm-hmm. that whole process and, and how basically just giving a, an overview of how to look at it in terms of who's going to benefit the most. I think that's good because everybody's looking for a good way to spend that penny or that dime or that nickel. And so having that mindset and getting an understanding for why you're doing it, it's almost like why you're going to give a donation. If you know that it's for a good cause, then that's it's right. unlikely going to give a, a good donation, if you will, if, if if you can use that as an analogy. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. Well, have a good day okay. and be safe and enjoy the summer. And um, if you hear of anything I need to know about, oh, one other thing. Do you know of any um, fruit and vegetable uh, conferences going on? Do they go on in the summer or is that something they have? Um, no, all of our stuff is usually in the winter um, when, um, when there's a uh, you know, not much going on. The big one that we all go to is the, it's usually the second week in January. It's called the Southeastern Fruit and Vegetable Conference. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the granddaddy of them all. There'll be thousands of people that go to that. It's in Savannah. Okay. Okay. So okay. check that one out. Is that one where we can volunteer? Or is that one? Um, well, a lot of times they have, they'll ask for vendors, not okay. vendors, but like people to have booths and stuff. Oh. And the depart the top tar- Department of Agriculture has one and then Clipson have several booths too. Um oh, good. Well I'll keep that in mind though because I think that would be a good um of course I don't cover rural health in that area, but it's good exposure because you never know who's gonna run across that. Well everybody from South Carolina goes. I mean there's every corner of the state there's farmers there. I mean that's the like I said, that's the granddaddy of them all. So oh. you'll see people you know uh, okay. at that okay. conference. And it's usually when in January? Yes ma'am. Just look up um Southeastern Fruit and Vegetable Conference. Southeastern Fruit and Vegetable Conference. Okay. All right. As always you're always full of so much good information. I just <laughs> enjoy talking to you. I, I thank you for um sharing your, your time and your knowledge and your um your expertise as well so take care and if i run across something which i'm sure i will i'll definitely give you a heads up and let you be um my next podcast um person that i interview thank you so much sounds good keep up the good work have I a will. good one thank you you too bye-bye bye